And hello, everybody. Welcome to Sister to Sister. It's Trish Carr with Women's Prosperity Network. And each week we bring you stories of women of color and what it's like to deal with racism in their lives on a regular basis. So that those of us who are born white every day, those of us who don't know that this happens can easily see what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes and we can open our minds and even more importantly, open our hearts to what happens for other people so that we can take action to be the change that we wanna see in the world. Today, I'm really excited to have with me my guest Munira Zahabi. And Munira is a Women's Prosperity Network member from Chicago, Illinois, yay. Must be getting hey. chilly there in Chicago now, yes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured, well, I'm here in South Florida. So for us, chilly is it gets into the 70s. So we're waiting for that to happen. Uh, but it's really a pleasure to have you here, Munira. Munira is uh, of Indian ethnicity. She's a U.S. citizen, a business owner who was born in Nairobi, Kenya, which I just learned. And she's lived in Tanzania or Tanzania, um, and like I said, she's a business owner here in Chicago. She's also a follower of the Islamic religion, a Muslim, and like I said earlier, a USA citizen. Let me tell you just a little bit about her. People call her the niche navigator. I love that. You can see it on her background behind her, right? She is a five-time author, not just a one-time. She's put it out there many, many times. She's a sought-after speaker, an influencer, and an entrepreneur. And through her business, she's influenced dozens and dozens of people to navigate to their niche. That is figure out what it is they're best, the right people they are best at serving. She firmly believes that all people have a niche, but are afraid to explore the deep, dark waters within themselves and take a voyage through the raging waters within to find it. Munira, her mission is to integrate the concept of, I love this, nicheology, businessology, and confidenceology. You can always learn more about Munira at her, um, and her niche at her website, which is thenichenavigator.com. And she's got some free stuff on there, so you definitely want to go. So I'm so thrilled uh, to have you here with me today because, you know, our conversations up until this point have centered on uh, black women. So I was so thrilled when you said, I'd really like to be on the show and share my experience. And as soon as you said it, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's a different experience being of Indian descent, A, and B, a Muslim in the United States. Uh, I have a, another friend who is of Indian descent. And recently she was sharing with me terrible stories about people calling her racist names, things I don't even want to repeat. Um, and it shocked me because I, you know, I live with my rose colored glasses and my white skin. I grew up socialized white, but I also grew up in a very progressive area. So we were surrounded by all different colors of people, black, beige, brown, everybody from all different areas. So it really didn't land on me the same way it does for some people, uh, racism. So that's one of the reasons actually I'm doing the show because I know that 
so many people are not um, are not surrounded by people from other places, you know, and I also live in South Florida now, which is a melting pot. So Munira, tell me a little bit about, um, first of all, how long have you been a U.S. citizen? Since 1999. And how long have you been in the U.S.? 30 years. 30 years. So this is home, right? This is, this is, this is home. I've yeah. lived more here <laughs> compared to anywhere, anywhere else. else. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's, so you are a, an American, you live here, yet I know you mentioned to me that you're treated differently by some people. Can you share a little bit about what it's like to be in Indian skin with an Indian accent as a resident of the United States? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's become more apparent now with, uh, you know, our leaders talking about it. Uh, I, I didn't realize it that much until he started telling everybody else to go home. And I was like, this is home. But as I sit down and think about it, we've always been looked at differently, especially me. You know, the first time I experienced it was when I was doing my internship at a Walgreens in uh, in Bakersfield, California, where I lived for years. And when I was there, the pharmacist uh, in charge was a Indian man. His technician was an Indian woman, Jyoti. And then I was an intern who was also from, in, you know, Indian descent. Now, I don't consider myself Indian because I consider myself African because I was I lived in Africa. I was born there, and four generations of my my grandparents were from Africa. So we have the ethnicity and the habits and the food, but I just call it ethnicity because where home is where I put my head to sleep, right? And there was a Chinese man who came in, and he wanted his medicine, and I handed him a partial refill because his insurance would only cover that amount. So I gave it to him. He looked at the bottle and he literally picked up his hand and slapped me so hard that my glasses, at that time I used to wear glasses and my glasses fell off. I mean, I can see the look on the front. <laughs> I'm shocked. And he goes, all you Indian people are in pharmacy. Have you even thought about the fact that you shouldn't be doing this job? And I mean, it's nothing to do with us. It's the law of and the protocol and policies of the insurance. But he doesn't understand that because you always get mad at the person in front of you. I never wanted to work retail again, <laughs> never, right? But the thing is that he was just mad because he wasn't getting his painkillers at the same time. He could have, we could have done something else for him, but this was what I was, my job was to give him medicine. And this was my fourth day on the job, so. And you were young, right? Yeah, I was 30. <laughs> but I, I, all I did Well, was, wait a minute. That's not young. I'm thinking you were an intern. You were like 21. And no, no, no. I started things very late. So I did everything wrong in my life, like the, <laughs> the roundabout way, because people go to college first, then they have, you know, then they get married. I went and got married at 15, then I had kids, and then I went to college and you know, all the good stuff happened. Gotcha. Then. It's just shocking to me. I wonder if he would have slapped a 30-year-old white woman. 
I don't know, but um, you know, and immediately, you know, Mr. Kirkland, who was the um, uh, the manager of the store, was called, and he came in and he calmed this, diffused the situation. But that left a very good imprint on my life. Yes. So I I always thought that it was different. Uh, the fact that I speak several languages. Um, and I can revert back to different languages at any given time when I'm having an, a conversation with an English speaking person and then somebody who speaks Hindi and somebody speaks Urdu and Swahili, you know, I can revert and have four different conversations at the same time. And that's how I was made. Yeah. I used to have a pharmacist in, in the hospital where I worked at who didn't like that. He was like, I hate you for that. And he was not, he wasn't very angry at the fact that he, I could switch languages. He just couldn't understand how a person could think in four different languages at the same time. So his hate was from jealousy that you can do this and I only speak English and I can't do this right. Well, and, and you think about it, I hate you is pretty strong. <laughs> it's a strong expression. I saved that for Hitler. You know, that's one of those words. Yes, it is a very strong in this thing. But, you know, we always are looked upon differently. I mean, if you looked at, I mean, an Indian is an Indian at the end of the day, you know, wherever you were born or whatever, you look like an Indian and it's like a duck, right? But if you look, if it quacks right. and it's like a duck, then it's a duck. So most Indians are in the IT industry and they're in the medical field and engineering industry. And you talk to anybody, they, they, we, we are in that industry. I'm not saying that, you know, Caucasians and Black African Americans are not in that industry. It's just not too many of them. Yeah, it's and a prevalence. It's not that prevalent. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and. I loved the distinction you just made that I think of myself as African, not as Indian, right? It's the same thing as me thinking of myself as an American as opposed to Irish. Yes. Same thing. But, it, you know, we lump people and put them all in the same bucket. So she has an in Indian accent, right? That's what you hear. So she's Indian, right? When in fact, she believes she's a, she identifies as African. That in and of itself was like a big light bulb moment for me. Thank you for that. No, but, but even even if I say, you know, I, my heart swells up when a Kenyan wins the marathon, you know, a marathon, and and the flag of Kenya is seen. I mean, I've lived equal amounts in Tanzania and Kenya, but Kenya is where I was born. That's where my childhood roots are. And yeah. then I was uprooted and taken to Tanzania. Not that I don't love that country because all of the countries are the same, but my heart swells up. But USA has just given me the tools and allowed me to flourish more because if I was back home, I would not be the person I am today. You know, the, the, the thinking back home is like, if you are old, older and you have married kids, now you can shrivel up and die, your life is done. Oh. Uh, and that's the thinking. And I came with that thinking until I realized that people go to school at night. I mean, you, you know, life doesn't end when you are, when you have kids, you know, you can 
create more possibilities for you. And this country allows that, you know, it is such a wonderful country. And if you understand that concept, you can do anything. Like I wouldn't be talking to you in, in front of you in this modality, if you will, if I wasn't an American. I would think, oh my God, I have to go on TV and talk to somebody else. Oh no, right now yeah. I think, who's, who can I, whose life can I go impact, you know? Well, if I can do it, you can do it too. You know, when I came to America, people were like, you have such a wonderful story, you should write it down. And I'm like, doesn't everybody have a life like that? You know? No, and <laughs> no, not everybody you know, takes up the pen and writes it down either. So, so it, you know, this country is home. It is where I feel very, very comfort, comfortable. I have lived in different countries. I've lived in different states, but now I am in Chicago. I don't know where life is going to take me. The winds of life will take me. But wherever I go next, it's going to be home. But this is home right now. And this is where I plan to be for, for the next few months or years. <laughs> Whatever God has planned. You know I love that you're talking about the opportunities that are available as an American citizen living here in the United States, that it changed your thinking to possibility thinking as opposed to a narrow way of thinking. So yes. we both agree, this is an amazing country to live in. It really is. And yet, as a woman of color, I know that you've had challenges, obviously slapped in the face at Walgreens, and, you know, when we were um, talking about your experience, the first place I went was what was it like to be here in the early 2000s, especially after 9-11? Because I remember I have a friend, his name is Sam, and he's actually Israeli. He's an Arab Israeli, and his name is really Osama. So everything, his birth certificate, his driver's license is Osama. So imagine what it was like for him after 9-11 when everybody knew who Osama bin Laden was and all of the noise happening about the Muslims and how horrible they are and they're all about jihad. What experiences did you have around that time and do they still exist? Sometimes they do. Um, so when I, when I first realized that 9-11 had happened, I was completely clueless. I woke up, I took my kids to school, and then I went to the hospital where I worked at. And when, as I entered, you know, uh, they were, I entered from the back door. And when I did enter, there was a janitor there that I met every single day. He and I were, you know, he would come and clean the pharmacy. And so I, it, we were on cordial terms. And he looked at me just, he, he it seemed like he had been crying. I, he looked at me and he said, you're a Muslim, aren't you? And I looked at him and I said, yes. And he said, you did this. And I was like, did what? Like, you don't know. And he walked away. I truly didn't know, truly. And then I was, I was supposed to work in the chemo room where uh, we had a physician, uh, Dr. Royce, who wanted his items. He, you know, he worked with patients who had a certain disease and he needed his uh, IVs ready at a certain time and you couldn't be late. <laughs> or he came down and ate everybody up. <laughs> so, so we, you know, I, I needed to do that. So I walked in, but 
as I walked in, we had a waiting room and there was a crowd because in the waiting room was a TV. Everybody was standing there, people were crying and I didn't understand what was going on. And because my job was my priority, I walked into the pharmacy and I started doing my work. I was alone in the chemo room and then I had a friend who lived in LA, somebody I have never met in person, but he called me, he found the number, he called me and he said, Munir, go home. He was a Caucasian guy and he said, I need you to go home. And I said, why? He goes, haven't you seen what's happening? And I said, no, he goes, go watch the TV. And you know, a year or so before that, the embassy, US embassies in Kenya and Tanzania were bombed in 1998. And I had gone to Kenya for my brother's wedding in 1999. I was there for only two weeks because I'd left all my kids here with my husband. And when I had gone in Kenya to see the, the embassy in Kenya was right in the city center. And even after a whole year, the cleanup hadn't begun. So people that were just walking across the rubble. And when that happened, you know, one of my coworkers had commented, uh, oh, good riddance or something to that nature when the bombing happened. But it was really heavy on my heart because two of the embassies, US embassies, were bombed in two countries that I really hold really close to my heart. Yes. And I, I, Ernie called me, his name was Ernie. He called me and he said to me, he goes, Manira, haven't you seen what's happened? I, I, and I said, he called me to say he wasn't coming into work. And he goes, haven't you seen what happened? And I said, Ernie, I don't know what's going on. And he goes, oh, your people bombed us. And I said, what do you mean my people? And he goes, your people bombed us. And then I went to the TV and I switched it on and we had a Vietnamese pres um, uh, pharmacist and we had an Indian pharmacist and we had a Polish pharmacist, Leonard was a Polish and he was Polish to Italian because when it came to food, he loved food in, and he always <laughs> said that. So we were all watching and we were all not, we were not, like we came from different ethnicities. We were four different people and we were watching this and we kept showing the planes going to the building. And all I could do was, this is not Islam. This is not Islam. At that time we had a, oh, this is emotional. We had a consultant from the software company working there and he showed up and he was all pompous and he goes yeah you Muslims you need to get out of this country and we need to just bomb you all over and this is why we never leave Iraq and we are going to kill you all and you know and um, I, I didn't realize you know I didn't understand what he was talking about so I sat down took a few minutes and watched TV and the patients hadn't come in, so it was okay for me not to make the medicines. But I realized that what they were showing on TV and that this really did happen, but the people who are following this path of destruction and hatred are not reading from the books that they should. And they are taking the meanings completely absurdly. And what this man kept saying to me, he was like, he kept, you know, bashing the prophet and this thing. 
to me, Islam is a religion which is a branch of religions that came from Adam. We believe in the same prophets, right? We have different names, but we believe in the same prophets. We believe in Jesus Christ. We call him Isa. But he didn't understand that. You guys this and you guys this. And I said, then how is it that you haven't yet done anything to Timothy McWay when he did the bombings in Colorado? And he didn't have anything to say. I said, he was a Catholic. How come you haven't condemned him? And the whole Catholic religion as a result. I said, one bad apple doesn't make everybody a bad apple. And you need to realize that. I mean, this became very heightened. And the, my, my director of pharmacy came in. The hospital CEO came into the pharmacy. I mean, very few people in this at that time were Muslims that worked in the hospital and they were going around to see if we were okay and if we could if we would get protection to go home because they didn't want us to be the wrath and we got a letter of apology I told the man I said you need to go take some religious classes before you start bashing out and I know you're angry and you're just speaking out because you're angry but the fact remains that you don't know the facts so understand the facts first before you start bashing and this is why I believe that people bash other people because they don't know the facts if you take facts and understand them and you understand what each person or each religion stands for then you can't condemn the whole community or the whole collective term. There are always bad apples. It happened with Abel and Cain, right? Adam, Adam's kids. So yeah. Adam, you, you know this story. It's in the Bible. It's in the Quran. So why are we then condemning? We didn't condemn Adam. Well, and we don't condemn all Christians when a Christian group blows up a Planned Parenthood clinic. No. <laughs> it's only Muslims. It's only religions that we don't understand. You know, you know, we've seen over and over again, Christians holding up their religion for the reason that they're doing violent acts, but we don't condemn the whole. However, when it was Muslims, we did. So I can't imagine what a scary experience that was for you. And it lasted a while, didn't it? It did. It did. And, but the thing is, you know, the prophet tells us that if somebody is, um, and Jesus Christ did the same thing. If somebody slaps you, give him the other cheek. Right. Turn and the other cheek. Either, yeah. Either give him the other cheek or just walk away. And that makes people very angry, you know, because they don't know, they don't realize, and they expect you to fight work back. Out because what they are doing is they're fueling the flame. Of course, of course. And if you blow up and if you have a jerk, knee jerk reaction, then that becomes a problem. So, you know, walk away. I mean, I'll tell you what happened <laughs> this Saturday. I was wearing the way and I was going for a religious um, ceremony so when this I just this past week this past Saturday yes so two weeks ago I was listening on NPR news that the there was a the president said Mexicans go home this man was from Peru he lived in South Florida and he was saying that he you know when the president makes it a collective term everybody go home it's very hard for me to differentiate to people, hey, you know what? I am not from Mexico, I am from Peru. 
And so people don't want to hear that because everybody wants it. So if our leaders are saying that, right, then everybody has now got the right to say that. So I was at Costco, I got my gas, and now I'm, I want, I'm out, outside now leaving Costco in my car to go left. There was a truck, a guy with the, the oil tanker, he was coming in making a left to, into the lane that I was in. Now there was cars that were turning right on my side and they just were doing whatever they were doing. And I had three cars behind me. I noticed that because this guy is a big tanker, he was allowing people in front of me to go. And I stood there because I didn't know what he was going to do. The minute he saw me and he saw me in the veil, he came forward and he turned. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't follow traffic rules or anything. He did what he had to do, but he came at a speed and at the momentum where he was going to hit me. And my, my, my whole thought was, he's going to hit me. What do I do next? So the minute the car next to me moved out, I pushed my car to the right. And as I did that, he, he rolled down his window and he started just talking, you know, using words of profanity. Go home. That's what I could hear. And I was like, sorry. I am home. <laughs> this is home. But, you know, I didn't say anything. The guys behind me, because there were three, four, four cars behind me, he would have had to wait anyways to make a turn into the gas station. Now, you know, Costco is a busy place, especially yeah. on Saturday. But the thing is that when he did that, you know, the, what, the guy behind me came out of the car. He got out of the car and he goes, he, I see him just, you know, gi giving him looks with his hands like this. And he, he I, I could hear this man saying, go home. Now, I could have either got out of the car and confronted him, but it wasn't up to me to do anything. I just walked away. I just took my car. I didn't want, I didn't turn left, but I turned right and went the other way to find another way. Well, but it happens, right? So because our leaders are making such statements, it gives the right to the other people to hurt other people, right? And they don't realize that we too, you know, the government doesn't say because you're a Muslim, you don't, you are, you are exempt of taking, uh, paying taxes or because you're a Muslim or you're from another country, you can't pay full taxes or we'll give you this thing. We are held at the same standard everybody else is. Then why are we not held, you know, when it comes to laws and everything else, why are we not looked upon as people that are, that stand together in solidarity, you know. We, we are people, we have feelings. And a long time ago, I realized that if a black person or white person or blue person, a yellow person, a brown person gets cut, we have the same organs and we have the same color blood. It's red. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm so, uh, it hurts my heart to hear what you go through and that you continue to go through. I mean, first of all, the whole 9-11 experience, people who were in your life as friends, I mean, they may not be your best friends, but they were people that you worked with to turn on you like that. You know, you did this, you people did this. I mean, we put people in a, a bucket and 
the other thing that hurts my heart is that what you're saying is true, that when our leaders are putting people in buckets and inciting violence, which is really what's happening, it's got to be a scary place for you at times, Manira. You know, and I've, I've, I've experienced it because he used to be a regional manager for a great company. It was a Fortune 17 company. And I worked, I used to go everywhere. One of my territories was a hospital here in Chicago, in, uh, in Illinois, and I would, would go there. And one time, you know, the director said, okay, let's all go for lunch. And I made sure that the salad, we'd gone, I think, to Panera, and I made, asked the lady, I said, make sure that it doesn't have any pork in it. And she said, yes, it's got no pork in it. And I'm fine with that. So I'm having dinner and he, all of a sudden he asks, he goes, so why are you not eating pork? And I said, because my religion forbids it. That's all I said. And three days later, I was removed from the project. He, he's, his contention to my boss was, she's not like us. <laughs> Explain, you're a pharmacist. You are a director of pharmacy in a very prestigious hospital, how am I not like you? I have two eyes, I'm not a cyclops. But I walked away and I said, okay. I mean, I was angry, I was so angry, but I had to do a job and I did. You know, the thing is that you hear these things all the time and you either ignore them or you just walk away. And you know, even, even you talk of, we talk of women not getting equal pay or women being passed up for promotions. That happened to me as well. I used to have another pharmacist who I worked with very closely. He would take my, the work that I had done and instead of putting his name with my name, he would take the work I did, remove my name and put his name on it. Made sure, and word for word, everything that I did. And nobody's going to listen to you so at one point you believe it and think oh my god what am I going to do I'm just a, a, a person but then as you grow older and you realize you know this is not a good way to do things then what I used to do I, I got smarter and I, anybody listening can do the same thing if it happens to you you take a copy of your work and send it to your boss before he does it. Yeah. So say, I done this work and now I'm sending it to him. And I always copied him on his on that email. And I said, this is the work I've done. And here's a copy. And I would send it to my boss. I mean, I used to report to him, but I would send it to his boss and then him too. And he got to, he got to a point where he goes, I don't want you to CC the boss. And I was like, why not? You're putting your name on my stuff and I don't like it. Yeah, good There's for you. laws against plagiarism. But the thing is, you know, I was eventually I was laid off because the position was eliminated. But the but the bottom line is that if we don't stand up to ourselves for ourselves, nobody else will. Yes, ma'am. No turn in the back. cheek there. No turn in the cheek there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Manira. And let me ask you one final question. If you could suggest an action that the people who are hearing this can take, something we can do to make a change in this area, 
Do you have any suggestions there? I think it was Jesus who said, treat people the way you want to be treated. So look in the people's hearts, not their color, and just treat people like they are people. We, we as people have a tendency to say, oh, if I give this person money, he's going to buy drugs. I don't care. Give him the money if you want to. Don't make excuses of not to give. That thought comes to your mind, just do it. Now that person who needs the money could be white, black, pink, or purple, whatever it is. But if that, if you see that person and you feel you should give something, give it. Don't judge a person because you don't know their story. And unless you're willing to sit down, invest time and in understanding their story, then understand a person as a person because we are an image of God right? You all, Christians say this, the Jews say it, the Muslims say it, the, everybody else says it too. I mean, all the religions have one teaching, love another, be cordial to each other. Those are the same teachings. If you sit down and read the Bibles, the books of God, this is what we are taught, but we forget because we always want to be superior than another. Don't be superior. If you go on to help somebody, help genuinely, but treat a person like a person that you see. Thank you. Don't look at oh, don't look at the don't look at what he has or what color he is or what he's wearing. We are all people. Absolutely. Thank you. That's the best advice ever. That's something that we can all do is look inside our own hearts. Notice notice when you feel elevated emotions around someone who's different. Notice it, pay attention to it, and remember that you're dealing with someone whose blood is just as red as yours. Manira, thank you so much for being with me today. I um, so appreciate you opening your heart and opening wounds that have happened in the past so that we can be better and learn from you. I do appreciate you. Thank you so much. Make sure you connect with Munira at the nichenavigator.com and, and here on Facebook. She's amazing, an amazing woman who makes a big difference for people's lives. So thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being with me on the show today. Thank you all for watching and let's go out there and be the change we want to see in the world. This is Trish Carr for Women's Prosperity Network. See you again next week. Keep smiling everybody. Thank you, Trish. Thank you.